In uh, preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Again, Galatians, chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So that even Barnabas, Barnabas I should say, was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? Good morning. Our Lord is good. We continue our series on Paul's letter to the Galatians. And um, just to review the background, Paul had to write a very strong letter to the very people he went to who established the ministry. And these were probably South, people from South Galatia. And he was surprised or astonished how quickly they were leaving Christ who saved them leaving Christ because they were believing in another gospel, which is not really another gospel, except there were some who were disturbing their faith by adding something to the gospel. And he warned them, let him be a curse to anyone who adds anything to the gospel. We have interpreted that or are application for that is do not distort the gospel. In this case, there were those who added something, but there would be also cases when people would subtract something from the gospel. Like in 1 John, I mean, John would address the issue that some were saying that Christ is not God. He's just a human who elevated, addressing the beliefs of Gnostics or those who are belong to Gnosticism or believe in Gnosticism. So we say even today in the modern world, there are those who add something to the gospel and those who subtract something to the gospel. Our encouragement to us is why not be as accurate as we can be as revealed by scripture. And that's why it is important that we study scripture, believe in the gospel as revealed by scripture not because of men or tradition, not even Christian tradition, not even evangelical tradition, but what the Word of God said. Then Paul was explaining to the Galatians, uh, I received the gospel from the Lord himself. In fact, I met Cephas. Another name of Cephas is Peter. I met Peter in Jerusalem, and for 15 days I was with him, and then I also met James, the brother of Christ. That was the first meeting. And then at another meeting, he brought uh, Barnabas and Titus with him. Barnabas was a Jew, and Titus was a Gentile. 
to express that the gospel also belongs to the Gentile as God intended it to be. In fact, he would support that in his letter to the Ephesians that the mystery of the gospel is that it does not only belong to the Jew, but to the Gentile as well. That's why that book, Ephesians, spoke about unity. Now, in this case, he was uh, upset, and you could see by the tone of his letter. In fact, in when he started the letter, there was no thanksgiving in terms of, I thank God for your faith, which he usually does, and in encouraging words. He went immediately to the correction after sharing what the gospel is and who he is as an apostle. Now, there were people, Judaizers, who came to South Galatia who disturbed their faith, saying that you must also be circumcised. It's not just circumcision. It actually represents the whole law of Moses. You have to convert to be a Jew. You have to convert to Judaism. That's what they were saying. And Paul was saying no. And the theme of the letter would be it is we are justified by faith alone. And uh, by, by visiting them in Jerusalem, he visited uh, Peter, James, and John, whom he met. And they confirmed that the gospel he preached is really from the Lord. They know the gospel that he preached was from the Lord, and they recognize that the spirit that worked within them, especially through Peter, also worked through Paul, and that they have the same gospel, except that they have a different target market, if I would use modern word, or a target people group, because Peter would be for the Jewish people, and Paul would be for the Gentiles, and he is saying there is no need for the addition. The gospel is the gospel. One must believe in the gospel, and there should be no addition to it. Now, it doesn't mean Paul doesn't believe in works of the law or moral living. He will explain that later in chapter 5, that if you truly have the gospel and the Spirit of God, you will manifest the fruit of the Spirit. So he's not against character. He's just saying, it's not building your character that will save you. That is simply a fruit. If you are truly saved, if you are truly saved, it means you have faith in him. And if you truly have faith in him, you will obey him. But not the ceremonies of the law, which is no longer necessary. And circumcision was one of them, killing lambs and other animals to every year for the sacrifice of your own sin is no longer needed as well. We now go to chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Now Paul narrated an incident in Antioch. It is unclear whether the event happened before or after the second trip to Jerusalem. The second trip is the earlier uh, na narrative when Peter, James, and John gave Barnabas and Paul the right hand of fellowship, meaning, yes, we belong together. We are one. We are united in this gospel. Now, it's not clear whether this event happened before or after. And I have read several uh, scholars, and they did also say it's unclear. Now, some may believe that it is after. Some may believe it is before, but the point is, this happened. 
whether you think it's before or after, let's go to the main point first, not to the minor point of whether it happened before or after. The main point is an incident happened. A public incident happened. So in this letter, it's like he was giving an incident report to the Galatians to support what? A few things that we will discuss to support that. Now, um, however, the incident spoke volumes concerning Paul's conviction that the gospel does not require the law of Moses for salvation. The incident involved Peter, Barnabas, and other Jewish believers. And I should add also Gentile believers. Now, in Antioch, there, it was really a mostly Jewish community in the city of Antioch. There were not as many Gentiles, according to, to some writers. And uh, uh, so the Gentiles were a minority. At Paul was preaching, it, the gospel is for the Gentiles as well, without the extra burden of the law. Now, what happened? Well, the actions of of Peter, Barnabas, and the other Jewish believers showed that they gave in to religious pressure. What happened? People from James. That's why many believe this happened before, because people from James still believe that they have to convert people to Judaism. And it, it perhaps was tolerated for a while until they came to the belief that the gospel also belongs to the Gentiles. Uh, that God intended the Gentiles to be saved as well. So some Judaizers came, and when Peter saw these coming, he separated himself from the Gentiles, whereas previously he was eating and fellowshipping with the other Gentile believers. For the Jew, a Gentile is unclean, because they eat what is unclean, and they have acts that are unclean, and they were uncircumcised as well. They were not chosen by God. The Jewish people were chosen by God. So when Peter saw that, that there were people from Jerusalem who came, he separated himself. And Paul was saying that's an act, that was an act of hypocrisy. But Paul exhibited consistency by not giving in to the demand of the false brothers. According to Paul, whoever adds anything to the gospel is a false believer. Or let's just say, anyone who distorts it is a false believer. That is why I fear God, and I hope you do too, that we preach the gospel as clearly and as accurately as possible. I'd rather just quote Jesus, Mark 1, 15. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Then you explain what the gospel is. And, you, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John explain it. Even Paul and Peter explained it in the epistles. Then you see, what is the gospel? Then explain the son of David who was promised to us, prophesied to us became the Lamb of God. And Jesus said that the Christ had to suffer and die and rise again on the third day. And for what purpose? And that is to receive the penalty of sin that every guilty person should have. However, it is proven that he is resurrected. Many have attested and witnessed to the resurrection, including the first apostles, the first disciples. 
So eternal life is real, and He offers eternal life. Why not just stick to that and call people? And Jesus said, and you shall proclaim. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be preached to all the nations. Why don't we just stick to that? I know some of you are creative speakers, as many preachers are creative speakers, but in the fear of God, I'd rather stick to this than add something else or making it easy or harder. If you add the law, you're making it harder. If you're making it easy, you're removing repentance. Not saying that faith and repentance are actually linked to each other. Paul was consistent in his behavior, despite the religious pressure. Now, I go to the first point, Peter's wrong response. Now, Paul mentioned that he opposed Peter's wrong response. Peter fellowship with the Gentile believers, but his behavior changed when men from James arrived. Peter separated himself, and we can surmise to avoid being criticized. Let's read verse, verses 11 and 12. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned or guilty. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Now, once again, Paul did not mention whether the event happened before the right hand of fellowship or after. Paul made clear that Peter did not respond according to the gospel message, again, perhaps for fear of criticism. He gave in to the peer pressure. His fellow churchmates, perhaps, in Jerusalem, who, according to Paul, were false brothers. And he was very confident in calling them false brothers. And do false brothers exist? Yes, Jesus warned of false brothers and sisters. You'd see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John warned about this. And you see the epistles. Well, in fact, all 27 books of the New Testament, except for one, warned about false brothers and false teachers. Can you imagine the importance of this, of being accurate according to Scripture? That's why we believe in the gospel as revealed in Scripture. As revealed in Scripture, not according to just what others say. See, Paul even confirmed the gospel he preached. Although he was confident, Peter confirmed it, James confirmed it, John confirmed it. That is the gospel. So this was what happened. Now, my second point is would be Peter's influence or a leader's influence. Now, Paul narrated that the other Jewish believers followed Peter's wrong response, including Barnabas was affected. Paul stated that Peter acted in hypocrisy because he knew what Peter believed. Remember that Peter also experienced Cornelius. If you read the book of Acts, he witnessed the Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius and his household 
after he preached or, 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 or during his preaching of the gospel. And such hypocrisy influenced the others, even his partner, Barnabas, whose partner, Paul's partner, Barnabas, was a partner of Paul in the ministry. One of the closest brothers that Paul had. Even Barnabas was affected. Let's read verse 13. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Wow. Paul rebuked Peter in this act. Putting the gospel higher than anybody. Higher than any apostle. Higher than any believer. Higher than any church leader. The gospel. The purity of the gospel is more important. Now, are you concerned about the purity of the gospel? That you actually believe the gospel? Or you don't care? Because this to you is just an activity. This to you is just something like a motion to go through. Or is it real within you? The salvation provided by Christ through the gospel. Now, Paul did not follow the hypocrisy. Now, the hypocrisy probably came from cultural pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure, or the fear of criticism. Well, it's usually connected. Because if you're different, somehow some people bully you. And Christians must expect persecution to stand firm in what the gospel says now Jewish believers and Gentile believers should stand their ground against any behavior that is contrary to the gospel that's why we should not only believe in the gospel we have to live the gospel it's living it we have to live it we have to proclaim it our behavior should proclaim the gospel there are those who focus more on Christian character and we have nothing against Christian character because Christian character must grow. But we know that we are not perfect until the coming of the Lord and as uh, through time we have to continuously by God's grace working in us and we working on our salvation but it is he who is at work within us grow in the Lord yet what is more important than Christian character which is what precedes Christian character? The gospel, the accuracy of the gospel. And here Paul was saying that. Because, because for the false brothers, the Judaizers, for them, character is what? Not eating or fellowshipping with the Gentile. That is good character. And for Paul, it was different. The gospel is more important than what you think. Behavior must be in line with the gospel, that you believe the gospel, that the gospel is for all nations, for all ethnic, for all people group, for all languages. Now, our, my next point is Paul rebuked 
Peter's hypocrisy. Paul rebuked Peter together with those who followed the hypocrisy. Paul showed that no one is above the gospel, not even a fellow apostle. Paul knew that Peter knew that a person is justified by faith and not by the law. Verse 14, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, take note, their behavior, they're not living the gospel, they were not demonstrating the gospel, is not in line with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas, before them all, take note, this was a public correction. A public rebuke. Why is it a public rebuke? Because the act was public. Now, we practice here if an act was done, we know a brother or sister sinned, we correct them privately, and before you call your leaders, you have to deal with it yourself and within your growth group before I step in. And if I don't have to know, then I don't have to know. But once something is not corrected and something is done publicly, or at least if it's done privately, it should be dealt with privately. But if a knowledge becomes public, then we have to deal with it publicly. Now, he said, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, what does that mean? He does not believe in the ceremony should be applied to Christians or believers any longer. He has called people to repent and believe in Christ. He did not call them to be faithful to the law of Moses, to the ceremonies of Moses. Peter was preaching that. So, if you though a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, means you're not following it. You believe in Christ. And you proclaim the gospel of Christ for people to repent and believe. Now, how can you now expect the Gentiles to become Jews? He was saying, you gave in. You gave in. Instead of correcting these Judaizers, instead of confronting them and saying, I stand with the gospel, that the gospel belongs to both Jew and Gentile. Instead of saying that, he withdrew. He became afraid because of peer religious pressure. It is not proper to demand others comply with legalistic standards if and when the gospel does not require it. Peter no longer followed the Old Testament ceremonies, then the Gentiles should not be required such. Now, Peter's behavior showed otherwise. There are times I feel that I should have stepped in more or followed Paul's example more in my life when I hear people preaching a gospel that does not focus on the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. And instead of proclaiming repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as Jesus explicitly commanded, many times I laid back and allowed people to give a diluted gospel, that it simply follow this prayer, accept him as Lord and Savior by following this prayer. And if you follow it to the dot, 
And they even add, if you follow it from your heart, you shall be saved. And after that, they say, you are saved. I should have spoken more. Like Paul did. I should have said, why not give emphasis? Why not become more accurate? Why not? And some of us give up because some are really stubborn because they thought that was the way they were saved. <laughs> How are you saved? What did Scripture say? Justified by faith. Genuine faith saves, not following a sinner's prayer. A deep call to the Lord because of what? What's the context? The need for Him and the knowledge of your sinfulness, not just intellectually. You know you're a sinner? Yes, I know I am a sinner. Yeah, okay. So you need Christ? Yeah, so accept Him so that you can be saved. No, 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 no. You know you're a sinner? You're guilty. And you, we, will suffer. You must believe in Him. If you truly believe, you will turn away from sin. As revealed in Scripture. No, but we don't add that because we might offend others. We hope that as they easily come in, they'll just grow up. Does the invention of new doctrines like, oh, his heart is not yet 100% to the Lord. It's 50% already. We're getting there. If you do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciple, Jesus said. Unless you deny yourself, you cannot follow me. You believe in the gospel? You believe in defending the gospel? I call you to defend it. I call you to share it accurately especially to friends who distort it or add something to it to make it a little bit diluted. So what do we do? We show them in Scripture what it says. Application number one, live according to the gospel. Does our behavior betray the gospel of Christ? Well, are we ashamed of the gospel? Do we proclaim that it is by grace through faith and not by works? And do we state that faith leads to works of obedience, but not the other way around? It's not obedience that saves you. It's not you becoming a better person that saves you. It is through what? Faith in Him, if you truly believe in Him. What does that mean? You believe in Him more than you believe in yourself. You believe in Him and He called you to repent, therefore you repent. He called you to follow and you believe in Him, therefore you follow. Do you truly believe in Him or believe in Him like demons do? Because demons believe He exists. Demons believe Jesus is Savior and He is Lord and He is Son of God. 
Are you at that level of belief that is because that is false belief, that is false faith? True faith calls on the name of the Lord from their heart and follows. It affects their thinking. It affects their emotions. It affects their behavior. Now when they read scripture, they're illuminated with joy and peace, yet at the same time, convicted by the Spirit. So the more you read scripture, the more you're convicted. Lord, forgive me. Yet you are thankful for His forgiveness, yet you are convicted. It hurts you that you've done wrong. That's why the more you study scripture, it now affects you. If you don't even care, I don't think you're a true believer. We must not give in to false brothers and sisters who spread a distorted gospel. On the other hand, we must fellowship with those who believe in the accurate gospel of Jesus Christ, especially in our church community. Now, if you are the ones who say, it's all the same, all evangelicals are the same, though, no, no. Many claim to be evangelicals, but they have to believe in the evangel. What is the evangel? The gospel, as revealed in scripture. Nothing more, nothing less. Why do I keep repeating the gospel? Because I'm not sure all of you understand it or believe it. You're here because you like listening to such talks. You're here because, maybe because of friends. You're here because of many other things. And, and well, maybe because of the air conditioning. Oh, if you don't have electricity at home in this block, if this block is, is without electricity, you can come here and charge your phones for free. Because we bought, as we promised, as we gave our commitment during the presentation in a membership meeting, we will buy a generator just in case a Category 5 typhoon comes. You have a place to come. But because the generator we bought was too powerful, we have to turn on all the air conditioning units, even if there were, there's nobody here. So you want to come here and hold office here during brownouts, feel free to come. But... Don't come here claiming you believe in the gospel just because you come here. Now, we have to reflect, do I truly believe in the gospel? Now, when I say believe, not like the demons do. Truly, truly know its impact on you, the message. Because if you believe in the gospel, you shall be eternally, forever grateful. Like humans would be eternally grateful for someone who saved their lives. This is much more. 
Somebody saved us from damnation, eternal damnation, and forever we are grateful to the high priest who lives forever. Now, next point, gospel above people and trends. Despite Peter's stature and reputation, Paul rebuked him for not defending the gospel. Let us defend the gospel and expect other true believers to defend the accuracy of the gospel. We must address inaccurate gospel presentations. May the wisdom of the Lord be upon us on how we do it. But the why is clear. Moreover, we must rebuke misaligned beliefs and behavior. Conversely, let us graciously receive correction with humility and godly wisdom if we are being corrected for some inaccuracies. Yes, we, we know that Proverbs said that, well, the foolish does not like correction, but the wise will like correction. And before you react, you go back to scripture, what Scripture says, not because you're defending a leader or a pastor. We don't care their stature. We don't care who they are. If the gospel presentation is not accurate, we do not believe it. We believe in what the gospel, according to Scripture, Again, we don't care. If you quote some popular preacher in the past who has died or who is present, somebody famous even, but if they do not proclaim the accurate gospel, I would be careful to hear and listen to them. Because if you get it wrong, it's wrong. Everything goes wrong. True believers should understand the gospel, again, as revealed in Scripture. And that differentiates us. It's sola scriptura. We believe in Scripture alone. And again, as I shared to us, we are contextual students of Scripture. Not just getting verses and we already say it's biblical. Not to be quick to interpret, not to be quick to apply it, but to take time to study the intent of the author. And lastly, expect believers to live the gospel. Paul expected more from Peter. Paul also expected more from the Galatians. They should have stood strong. They should not have been swayed. He expected them to stand firm in the gospel. Thus, let us expect each other to believe in the gospel and to live the gospel. So if I ask you, what is the gospel? What will you answer? I repeat it again and again here. Or you can just quote the Lord Jesus. You can quote Luke. You can quote Paul in different writings. But quote it accurately. Understand it accurately. The problem is the big churches, the mega churches at times, not always, make it easy for people to join, but not emphasizing repentance and faith.
The gospel is about believing in Christ and the significance of what he did because of our sin. What did he do? He suffered and died and he resurrected. What's the significance of that? I am guilty. I must receive the justice of God. It should fall upon me. But through his sacrifice, he took it on. But not everybody will benefit from that unless you truly believe in that. And if you truly believe in that, you will believe his call to follow him and to repent of our sins. And that a person is justified by faith and not the works of the law. Obedience does not save, but obedience is a fruit of genuine faith. If you truly believe in Christ, you will not follow the ways of the world. What are the ways of the world? Well, in our day and age, there's a lot of sensuality everywhere. You will not follow that. There's a lot of materialism. We do not follow that. Does God want a husband and wife to enjoy sensuality? Yes, within the context of marriage, yes. Not outside marriage. Does the Lord want us to, be, to provide for our families? Does the Lord want us to be blessed materially so we can help build the kingdom of God? Yes. But that's not always the plan. And that's not always consistent. There are times that the Lord allows us to go through deep trials. Not because you're bad. Remember, everybody's bad. We're all sinners. Wretched sinners. Everybody would go through a season of trial. And it comes in different forms. Some, it's economic. Others, it's relationships. Others, it's different types. What do we do? We just trust the Lord through the trials. We follow Him alone, not the world. And if a leader proclaims another gospel or is not accurate, feel free to correct us, please. You have that because the gospel is higher than any person. Higher than any pastor. In this case, higher than Peter the Apostle to the Jews. And the modern age, higher than what you call bishop or pope. Higher. The gospel is the gospel as revealed in scripture. So I give you a poem entitled gospel above all defend the gospel at all costs it is for the sake of the lost and to build conviction in all remember the story of paul an incident in antioch about the law's extra yoke reflected in peter's actions unwise act of separation Paul made the right call to rebuke, did not matter how he would look. The gospel he had to defend with fervor 
against foe or friend. Why don't we stand for the gospel? It is above an apostle, including people of stature. Its purity let us nurture. Believe the gospel and live it. Inaccuracies don't permit. Not by works, but by faith alone. That's how he justifies his own. And as all rise. Thank you, Lord. It keeps echoing upon us to defend the gospel and its accuracies, to not easily give in to a little addition or subtraction, but to know it so well, knowing the truth so well, so we can identify what is false. That people should call upon you and in their hearts, they have faith and repentance. May we proclaim and quote the Lord Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Conscious of the words we use. Teach us to defend the gospel. Yet some of us defend more the people than the gospel. Oh, Paul did not defend Peter at this time. Nor would he at any time against anyone who showed actions contrary to the gospel. Nor should we. It is the gospel first. As he himself said, as you said through Paul, even him or an angel of light proclaim a different gospel. Let him be accursed. We do not want to be cursed, Lord. We want to believe what is accurate and we want to proclaim it properly. Thank you for this morning. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you.